good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on the Highway Community Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us wherever it is that you are tuning in from. Uh, If you would like to get connected to the ministry that's happening here, whether you live locally or even uh, if you're far away, please head over to our website, highway.org, and click the Get Connected tab in the right-hand corner of the screen. You can fill out a little bit of information, and one of our pastors will follow up shortly. Uh, We'd love to connect with you and help you get involved and invested uh, in what's happening here uh, as we're entering into a new phase, a new season of ministry. Uh, Today, we're continuing on in our series called Stories of Transformation. And throughout this series, Highway Staffers have been sharing a personal story of ours with you, our church community. And interspersed among our personal stories uh, will be three stories that Jesus told, three parables that contain invitations for us to encounter the transforming power of the risen Jesus Christ in our day-to-day lives. And Julie took us through the first one last week with the parable of the sower. See, God has a way of using story uh, to reveal something true and beautiful about who he is and what he does in us, among us, and through us. When we hear stories of God's work in the lives of others, it provides a window to see his transformative work in our midst. And when we share our stories, it invites us to take a closer look at God's redemptive work within ourselves. In the parables of Jesus, and in these stories that we share with each other, we catch a glimpse of what God's kingdom is like and get to hear about his incredible work of renewal in our very midst. And this morning we get to hear from Jake Dodson, our missional development and communications pastor. Jake joined our staff in May of 2019 as the worship pastor for our Palo Alto campus. And in the midst of consolidating down to one site, has stepped into this new role of leading the repurposing of our Palo Alto site for missional work and community presence. As we continue to really seek after being a church that takes seriously Jesus' call for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jake is married to Sarah, and they have two children, Jaylen, who is in middle school, and Casey, who's in elementary school. Something that you might not know about Jake is that he is very excited about some new, dissolvable, eco-friendly cleaning solution tablets that he received in the mail this week. I'm not joking. Uh, if you would like to talk eco-friendly cleaning supplies, he's your guy. And one thing that I love about Jake is his humble heart and the joy he finds in serving others. And this is a silly example, but he and the family came to visit our baby chickens, one of whom was having a problem. And I'll spare you the details, but let's just say this. Greater love hath no one than this, than he who would clean the backside of his friend's chicken. Jake is a good man who embodies what it means to love the Lord with our whole selves and to love our neighbors as ourselves. I'm excited for the chance for us to get to know him better today and to hear what invitation God might have for us as he shares his story. Jake, take it away. Good morning. It's good to be with you on the Highway Podcast here today. My name is Jake Dodson, and I serve on staff here at the church in the role of missional development and communication pastor. I'm glad to be able to have some time here to share a bit of my story and reflect some on scripture together. 
In preparing for today, I realize that many of you don't know me all that well, or you know a version of me. You know Livestream Jake, which is what it is. It's one directional and fairly limited. I don't know many of you here at the church, so let's work on this. I would love to connect for conversation. I'd love to share a coffee with you and hear about your life. Um, shameless plug here, the leadership page of our new re- website um, that Rikichi Takasugi and I have been working on uh, enables you to easily reach out to each of us on staff. Please send me a note and let's set something up. Until then, I thought that maybe I could start with a few icebreaker type questions. You know, questions that plumb the depths of who I am, that reveal the inner self, that really get to the heart of the matter, get my heart out on the table. So here you go. Top icebreaker questions as determined by a cursory 30-second Google search. If you were a vegetable or fruit, what kind of fruit or vegetable would you be? I, Jake Dodson, would be a golden delicious apple. Sweet, not too expensive, but wrinkles quickly in the sun. What was your dream profession growing up? Uh, That would be a tie between a professional BMX Bryce Gracer, who would obviously be known for how intensely I could skid sideways across gravel, or a Major League Baseball pitcher. These are all still skills I have yet to develop, by the way. If any movie star in the world, past or present, could play you in a biography about your life, who would you choose for the role? I would choose Owen Wilson. I like that he's halfway between serious and goofy. I feel like that reflects me somewhat. Or maybe this is just because I started watching Loki recently. (laughs) A few more facts about myself. I grew up in the Bay Area. I have been blessed with a wonderful family. Uh, We are a mixed-race family, which has been a true gift from God, something for which I am very thankful. After taking the Enneagram Institute's intensive assessment, I score a four-way tie between a two, a four, a six, and a nine on the Enneagram. Super cleared things up for understanding myself. Uh, no, not so much. Uh, last fact. The nickname my wife and children have, with great love, given me is, wait for it, the squirrel. Yeah. I've earned this name over the course of many years, organizing and reorganizing our home and then repeatedly forgetting the very inspired and logical place where I've put things very much like a squirrel. (laughs) Okay, let's get to it. From Luke chapter 19, let's dive into a parable that Jesus tells. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. He called ten of his servants and gave them ten mina, which was about three months' wages. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Let's pause there. Before we jump into my story, I want to caveat it by saying up front that this is reflective of my experience as a white guy who grew up in America in a stable home in the 90s. And that's context matters especially when it comes to assumptions and the expectations I had for my life. My context was very different from that of my grandmother, who grew up during the Great Depression and dealt with a very insecure and uncertain future. Side note, she'll be turning 97 this week. I love you, Grandma. My context was very different from the Latino friends that I knew and worked alongside in high school, who lived with very little, uncertain of how they'd be treated by employers or authorities. 
It's different from that of my neighbor here in Mountain View who fought in Taiwan, fought for Taiwan against the Communist Party in the late 1940s, who lived as a refugee and emigrated to the U.S. where he raised his family. Like a lot of young Americans, I was encouraged to follow my dreams. The expectation was that in pursuing the things I was passionate about, life satisfaction would follow, financial security would follow, that as I discovered and put to use my talents, and if I didn't mess up with bad choices, things would go well. And for many years, this proved true. In fact, it came true again and again. I did well enough in high school to get into a college of my choice. I traveled. I saw parts of the world I had only ever expected to read about. Summer jobs came easily. Barista, construction, church intern. I certainly experienced ups and downs, relational drama, shares of disappointments. But by the time I was 24, I was doing interesting work with people who were supportive of me and a network of friends who cared about each other. And I was all about doing great things for God. That was where my mind was. That's where my heart was. I wanted to be about building the kingdom. And my assumption, in line with the context that I'd mentioned, was that the basics of food, clothes, shelter, and health would simply follow. There was some shirts and hats that were popular at the time that had the phrase, life is good, stitched on them. And my life was good. But life also has a way of going in unexpected directions. And it did for me. Let's return to the parable of the king who had given a mina to each of his ten servants. Fun fact, a mina was equivalent to about three months average wages. I think I mentioned that just a minute ago. Okay, here we go. Back to the parable. The king returned home, and then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, the master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. The second servant came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Let's pause the parable there for a moment and pick back up with my story. Fast forward a couple years, I'm 26. I just started dating my wife, Sarah. I was leading a music team at our church, and life felt full of joy and expectation. However, I also began that year to experience some intense back pain. And some mornings, I would wake up on the floor of my bedroom, having fallen out at some point in the night. My back would throb, and I would be so extremely exhausted, it would take me 30 minutes sometimes to get myself up off the floor. I thought I had a virus, but my doctor couldn't identify anything. I was set up with physical therapy sessions, but they didn't help. I started to develop sores, or were they bite marks, on the insides of my cheeks and on my tongue, with no idea how they got there. And then one evening, my life truly upended. I was leading a music team rehearsal, sitting on the piano bench in my church's auditorium. In the middle of a song... I began to experience the sensation that I was falling backward. I pulled my hands off the keys. I grabbed onto the frame of the piano, but the sensation continued. I somehow made my way off the stage and sat down on the front bench. 
I began looking around at the other band members who had one by one stopped playing and weren't sure what was going on or what to do. And then I slid off the bench and lost consciousness on the floor. From what others tell me, I began to have a very violent seizure. I soon became dimly aware of the inside of an ambulance and of being wheeled into a hospital, but I was so exhausted that it felt impossible to summon any energy to figure out what was going on. It was the same exhaustion that I had experienced alone on the floor of my bedroom numerous times in the preceding months. After stabilizing and then weeks of follow-up appointments, CT scans, sleep tests, and light sensitivity tests, it was established that I had no underlying condition that was causing the seizures, which was welcome news. However, it was also established that I would continue to have seizures unless I began medication. I was given a diagnosis. I was epileptic. Just that. Epileptic. An otherwise healthy, active, mid-twenties male who for no reason had seizures. Does anyone remember Jars of Clay, the Christian band from the 90s? Anyone remember the song Flood? But if I can't swim after 40 days, etc. I loved this band in high school. I had the poster and the t-shirt, and I got a floppy leather driving cap that I would wear backwards just like the Jars of Clay guitarist. Unfortunately for me, I took the additional step of accessorizing with a little ladybug pin on the front. Oh, boy. Self-expression can take you to some odd places. The band got their name from 2 Corinthians, where it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels, a.k.a. Jars of Clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I connected with this description of a weak and brittle container being used to hold something glorious and precious, which is all good when you're 16, everything's pretty good, and the upward trajectory of life feels almost automatic. But when you're in your mid-20s, and that upward trajectory assumption is getting rocked big time, that verse starts to feel very different. I didn't like it. I didn't like the reality of epilepsy, the weakness. Fast forward five years later, and the medication I was on stopped working. Seizures started breaking through. I didn't like, at that point, that my driver's license got suspended. I didn't like the humility of being driven where I needed to go. I wasn't able to care for my children on my own when my wife was away at work, in case I had a breakthrough seizure. So the community and family around us would take shifts to come and be with me during my wife's work hours. It was so beautiful, but so humbling at the same time. I didn't like being an earthen vessel. That humility part remained in the months that followed. I wanted to get back to my life of upward trajectory, of laboring in the service of God, of contributing. It was frustrating to feel like I had gifts that I couldn't use, and I struggled to come to grips with the reality that I had lost memories, that it was harder to make new memories, and that my ability to recall details was far slower than it had ever been before. Because the same medicine that prevented further seizures also slowed everything down. Back to the parable. To recap, the king returned from his travels. Two of his servants shared the results of their work with the miner that had been entrusted to them. 
The first made ten more mina with it. The second made five more. Here's the scripture. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You know, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in, reaping what I did not sow. Well, then why didn't you put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him. Quick overview of parables. These are stories designed to communicate meaning on multiple levels. Jesus tells these types of stories to encourage reflection and reassessment of the values, goals, choices, and actions of those who hear the story. The Bible podcast, the Bible project podcast, has six great episodes on parables and how to engage with them. I recommend it. This parable of the king and the mina is, at a high level, concerned with what God's kingdom is like, about God's invitation to be involved in that kingdom and the potential responses to God's invitation. We can't get into all that this story holds this morning. I'd be more than happy to dive in with you, dive into it with you if you'd like to take me up on that coffee offer. But notice this at least. There are three servants that we hear from in the story. They each have their own responses. Two of the servants do something worthwhile with the money and the trust of the king. They are commended for it rewarded with invitation to participate in the new kingdom. The third servant does nothing with the money or the trust of the king. Instead, he throws the act of trust back in the king's face and then insults him. The servant is criticized, and he has the mina taken from him. One of the things I find fascinating about this parable is the invitation to be involved with the king, to be trusted by the king, to be with the king in in his work. Maybe it's my nature, Uh, Maybe it's tucked away in one of my many possible Enneagram numbers. But I love contributing, helping, bringing something good and true and beautiful about. I love that the king in this story entrusts, gives opportunity, and invites creativity. I have struggled with being humbled by the limitations that epilepsy has set on me. And I have sought to be faithful with the more limited abilities that remain, And though this whole set of experiences, through them, I have found myself more and more drawn to one character in this story. It's a little bit random, and it's not your typical take on the parable, but I really like the second servant, the one who does half as well as the first one. I love that there's a guy in the story who tries to honor his king, does what he can with what he's been given, does half as well as the first guy, and is honored for it. I just love it. I find so much hope in it, so much peace. The first guy is great. He's a star. The third guy's a doofus, and he loses out entirely. But there's this second faithful servant who doesn't do so great. He just does okay. He gets the thumbs up. He's invited further into participation in the new kingdom. One of the things that we hear a lot here in Silicon Valley is the phrase, changing the world. We're about changing the world. Workers are invited here so that they can do this, change the world. 
Vast amounts of cash are invested in an effort to build wealth and change the world. The world is indeed changed. Changed by the inventiveness and innovations that have come from companies located here. Is it always changed for the better? I think that is open for debate, but the world is changed. And with all that, there is remarkable pressure when the goal is to change the world. High levels of expectation gets put on workers here. A desire for continual performance. This bleeds into our parenting theories. It makes its way into our definitions of rest, the pace of our recreation. The pressure is internalized. We often put it on ourselves and apply it to all aspects of our lives. But what if you find yourself only half as effective? What if you have epilepsy? Or you were born into poverty and you're just trying to make it here? Or what if fighting your addictions takes so much energy? What if you give it everything you have and you come up with 50%? This parable is about so much, about the embrace or rejection of Jesus as the true king of God's people, about the co-creation that God invites his servants into, about the vast realities of the cross and the way of love. And in all of that, I am delighted that there is this little bit about a servant who just does okay, who is faithful with what he has and does some small good with it, reports back and gets honored gets encouraged, gets invited further into the kingdom. This is so vital for us to hold on to. In the kingdom of God, it is faithfulness that matters. Do you grow weary under the expectations of this valley? With the assumption that everyone of worth is a ten mina baller? Are you burning out under the drive to be the best? Or are you just doing okay? Look in the face of the king. Hold up your five mina. Receive the word of honor, of welcome into the future kingdom. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians says of God, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Are you weary, bone weary at this point in the pandemic? Exhausted by the uncertainty and the fear and the stress of it all? Are you burdened with baggage that your family of origin loaded on you? Do you feel the constant pull of past addictions, worried for a time of weakness when they'll try to storm back into your life? Are you struggling with unmeant expectations? Look in the face of the king. Hold up your five mina. Receive the word of honor. Be welcomed into the future kingdom. The same Jesus who told this parable said these words to those who followed him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thank you so much for the gift of sharing your story, Jake. Highway family, as we receive that gift... And as we reflect on God's work in the lives of others, may we be faithful to whatever it is that the Spirit is stirring inside us, whether that's being encouraged or convicted or challenged or something else. Whatever it is, may we be attuned to the invitation to transformation 
that God has for us as we consider Jake's story. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, may it shape the stories that God is writing in and through us today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for Jake. We thank you for the story that he's just shared with us. God, I pray that you would use it in both our individual lives and for us as a church body. As another reminder of who you are, the kind of work you do, and the things that you call us to be. We love you. We pray these things in and for your name. Amen.